This is Killstreak. students of Leroy University. It's Killstreak episode 163. I'm Eric Goslin. Joining me here, as always, Mr. Mike Price. Mike, how are you doing this afternoon? We record uh, an early day record. Yeah, midday record. Midday, yeah. Early I am, than we usually do. I'm okay. I got a fucked up ankle. Oh, no. Yeah, it's a thing that happens sometimes. I have a routine of stretching I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm to keep this from happening and I haven't done it in a few months and this is the result. So oh, man. prayers my, for your ankle. Thanks. My body's teaching me a lesson. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird doing this when the daylight is coming through our windows. Yeah. Can we be spooky enough? Oh, it's hard to say. Yeah. Today we're going to be talking about critters attack the fifth and final critters movie. Um, we had mentioned that we were going to watch a couple episodes, at least, of Critters, A New Binge. But lo and behold, it's not available anywhere. Yeah, you can watch a trailer or brief clip on YouTube. Yeah, that's, that's a disappointment. I, I was committed to doing that. But uh, unfortunately, you know, I'm, for all of you who own physical <laughs> copies of it somewhere or... <laughs> maybe binged it when it came out in 2019, then we apologize. Almost certainly no physical copies were ever created. No, no, this is ephemera. It's just gone. Yeah, it's, and that is, you know, not to go down the rabbit hole of being mad at all the streaming services, but, you know, this is part of the problem, folks. It's, uh, Mm -hmm. It's nowhere to be found, and unlike most major motion picture releases, I'm I, I'd say it's likely that they never created a, you know, a Blu-ray or anything of this. So maybe it'll come back someday, but right yeah. now it's lost to time. Just gone. Just gone. Mm-hmm. Something that somebody worked on, a lot of people worked on, just doesn't exist anymore. And, like, Disney Plus is getting rid of the new Willow thing, movie yeah, that's or show. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. How can that be? <laughs> it's uh, cost-effective, did you see the stuff David Saslov got uh, booed? I did. And enchanted at during his Boston <laughs> University commencement speech? Yeah, that's pretty funny. He's supposed to go to Emerson. I wonder if he'll even do it. Why would he? I mean, I feel like of all the people, they would be the most angry Yeah, Emerson students. This I would has changed so. a lot in the last 20 years. Yeah, I mean, there are probably uh, exponentially more Nepo babies in Emerson. Oh, yeah. There were already a handful when we were there. There were Mark Summers' daughter. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, there was a rumor that Steven Spielberg's son was going there, which was unfounded. Yeah. Some other director, big director's child did end up there in the years after we left. I forget. Anything. I don't remember. Someone related to Nicolas Cage, maybe? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Um, I wanted to talk a cup about a few things i specifically watched three movies this week because i'm 
I was realizing I hadn't really been watching movies much mm-hmm. lately. So I'm like, I'm gonna fuck. I'm gonna watch some horror movies. All were from the '80s, '90s, um, <clears throat> and uh, two of them I saw on In Search of Darkness three, and it was okay. part of my list. Um, the first one being Xtro. Have you ever seen that XR? I've never seen it. I'm X-T-R-O. interested. Uh, so it's on YouTube. There's two okay. different rips that I saw. One of them was the superior one. Um, it's very interesting. It's cool. I, I would yeah. say of the three that I watched, it is the cooler one that I would maybe recommend. Although okay. it's not a perfect movie. It's by any stretch. But the special effects are really interesting. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a weird, surreal little movie. Um, it goes places. So I definitely appreciated it. Okay. Then the other one I watched was Boogeyman from 1980, or The Boogeyman. Uh, it's a double O in there too. Um, <laughs> okay. And it's it asks the question: What if during the opening of Halloween, the siblings looked into a mirror and were psychically connected to their mother's ghost, or something like that? What? It's fucking weird. Okay. I didn't really like it. It's, okay. It was pretty underwhelming and shoddily put together mm-hmm. it's a couple cool moments but all in all i wasn't that was the one i was more excited to to watch yeah because they did a good job selecting shots and scenes in in search of darkness mm-hmm. to make it be like what the fuck is this movie sure um cherry picked the the worthwhile stuff though. yeah and extra yeah. they also did the same but well to circle back to extra really quickly there is an element where a a life-size toy comes to life. And I feel like that was a big eighties thing where like an army man or like a, a kid would imagine like a tank killing somebody. Right. Am I, like, I feel like that's happened in a couple movies and it's I'm thinking. never, it's not scary. That's not a scary <laughs> thing to have like a GI Joe coming to attack you. <laughs> Are then, you just thinking of small soldiers? Maybe I am actually, or maybe think of toys with Robin Williams. Yeah. Uh, although there's no, there's some creepy shit in that movie. There is. Yeah. Um, the third movie was one that i had saw in high school and I can never remember the name of it because it's mm. called, there's nothing out there, which is a yeah. very it's innocuous. Yes. Um, and it stood out to me back then because it was very self-referential. Um, and like, it claims to be a, the movie that inspired Scream, which I okay. don't believe to be true, <laughs> unless Kevin Williamson like came out and was like, "Yeah, it actually was." I don't know, because uh-huh. there is a character in there who's like, "Well, this happens in all the movies." You got to, you know, like he like knows the rules of movies, um, and the one thing that always stood out to me, and made me perk up when I watched it initially. And I didn't, I don't, I didn't really like it all that much. But there's a moment where one of the characters is trying to escape from this alien creature, and he looks up and sees the boom mic, and he swings from the boom mic to safety. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. And that part was like, holy shit! All of a sudden, it's like airplane. Uh huh. Um, and so I've just been thinking about it for like, you know, twenty five years now, and I finally remembered what the you know, doing some research, found out again what it was called, and it's streaming on for rental on Prime. Mm. So I rented it. Still not very good. Okay. 
but it's a lot of good nudity i'll say that <laughs> <laughs> that's nice yeah i'm getting like i get preemptively like arguing that this movie is didn't inspire scream even though i haven't even seen it yeah yeah I'm just like I, it's yeah. like it goes into similar territory as far as like there's the one thing. character who's a movie expert, but yeah. yeah. But the whole thing with Scream is it doesn't break the fourth wall. Right. It's this just very does. self-aware. You know, right. those are different things. Right. It's not. That's like maybe it inspired scary movie. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, I wish I liked it more, but you know, I'm glad I rewatched it. Sure. And I, I kind of want to talk more about this when we get into our thoughts and feelings of critters attack because I, sure. I, I have some i have some thoughts yeah, i've also feelings. been reading or listening to um that audiobook of the 90s that you recommended ah check closer man yeah i just started it but it's already making me like think about things <laughs> to say <it> very vaguely <laughs> i'm thinking about heading up to the top floor of an office building yeah. or what? <laughs> no just the Kind of what we just alluded to with the Critters show disappearing. Mm-hmm. He makes a point that media just did disappear back then. Yeah. And that's, you know, his explanation. Oh, excuse for like me for a second. My wife has come into the room to give me a pizza. Thank oh you, honey. Oh, my goodness. What a life I lead. I love you. It is lunchtime. I, I am hungry. Oh, it's a, a pizza. It's a cornmeal crust pizza from Sprouts. Oh, nice. I've never had one like this before. Nice. Um, well, let me say a few things and then take a few bites while you're talking. Sure. <laughs> um, I also watched a movie Kenda actually picked out last night um, as we've been uh, talking more and more about children. Uh, <laughs> mm. There was a film, uh, a Hulu original called Clock, um, hmm. that the the titular clock is a biological clock, if you will, um, directed by a woman named Alexis Jack. Now, <laughs> yeah, I I feel you, sister. <laughs> <laughs> it's either Jack now or Jack later, but it's happening. That's <laughs> happening. Um. um Stars Diana Agron, who who people who don't follow Taylor Swift would maybe know as one of the supporting leads in Glee, mm. the blonde the blonde cheerleader. So maybe one of the few people who got out of Glee with uh, without dying or um, <laughs> being illiterate. Yeah, <laughs> becoming a complete laughingstock. <laughs> I learned last night apparently also linked as a potential secret lover of Taylor Swift. Um, the you know all the Gaylor Swift stuff, right? No, no. I, I don't oh, know. it's like a whole thing. But uh, it might have to Jack now. Yeah. <laughs> Check now, Jack later. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's about a lady who is getting up there and thinks she doesn't want to have kids, and then a bunch of uh, sci-fi stuff happens as she. And it's like a little Rosemary's baby. It's definitely like a real um, descent into madness movie, which mm-hmm. there's a high bar to clear for me with those because they are so, so, I don't know, just everywhere. That, I don't know. I don't know what you think about that. Sort of, Yeah, no, absolutely. 
it sort of reminds me what you're describing as a other another Hulu movie, mm. False Positive, the one with Alana Glazer. Ooh, interested. I I haven't seen that. I think I saw a trailer for it once, maybe. This is not funny. This one is a little. Oh, funny. Th- that's not funny either. False really? Positive. Okay. No, it's it's wow. it's it is very Rosemary's Baby, okay. descent into madness kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. This one's got like a lot of medical stuff, but um, anyways, it was a movie that had potential. Uh, but it's kind of a mess. They, it's, it definitely feels like, because the the writer director, is just, just like there's like five different concepts wedged into one movie, and it's like yeah. you probably should have pared down to one, possibly two of them. Um, yeah, the movie ended, and it was like, well, one that didn't make a ton of sense, and two, like there were three whole plot threads that were like brought up and then completely abandoned. Oh. Um, Does it kind of messy? Does it have Alana Glazer's boobs in it? No, it has well, no boobs. False in it. positive has a as a one up on that. Then, wow. Okay, yeah. Well, throw it in the garbage then. <laughs> um, yeah. What was the other thing I was gonna say? Yeah. Also, um, I hate how it looks. It looks mm. like a modern horror movie. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it so much. Um, God. Yeah. Fucking. Don't get me started. Uh, anyways, yeah. So that's that's what I watched. Can't recommend it, but I guess I might as well tell people I saw it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what we do. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So we'll transition then. Unless, is there anything else you wanted to um, to let people know about? No, you that's, or that's your life? pretty much those are the three that I that I watched. Uh, I always <laughs> go ahead, take a bite. Good, take a bite. Um, well, that's good. I will say, even when. I want to talk. Oh, fuck it. This will be something I'll talk about later. Even when I'm in a, there's something still comforting about watching an '80s movie, and that's just completely a product of nostalgia. That's all it is, yeah. and I got to remind myself that. Um, but that leads to a, a bigger converse, conversation I want to have uh, once With, we get. Um, no, finish your thought. Oh yeah, and once we get into it in the, in the next segment of our thoughts of, of this movie, Critters Attack. Um, this is good pizza. Um, <laughs> what I was gonna say is, yeah, I even like last night when I was watching this, like undeniably professional looking film. Yes. Just aesthetically, I hate the choices that are Absolutely. being made. Absolutely. Yeah, me too. That's. But then I I do have to ask myself like how much. How much, if any of this, is an objective evaluation versus just like there is a thing that I like that I'm used that's, to, and that's exactly what I wanted to touch on is that this. Well, we'll just say this movie. I hate the way it looks. It looks yeah. glossy like a WB movie mm-hmm. or WB show um, or sci-fi original, and and I I just absolutely hate it the way it looks. Because it looks like a fucking commercial to me, not like yeah. a horror movie, but it is really a pro. It's like an, I'm an old man yelling at you know, people to stay off my <laughs> lawn. Because it's just because I have this language of film that I'm familiar with and comfortable with that is just is outdated. And it, is it is it unfair to expect that from these low budget offerings that we're getting? I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, one thing. <clears throat> That separates, and and I'll you know I'll spoil a little bit. I agree, although I will say that I think that, like if you're looking at something like Clock versus today's movie, Curtis Attack is also just way cheaper. Yes. So it's like digital, but also it doesn't even have like a lot of the 
craft that goes into a movie like Clock, where it's yeah. like, it's, it's there's skill on display. It's just in service of something that I think is unpleasant. Um, this is like, yeah, the, there 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 are some things here which is just like not only is it a fully digital aesthetic, but then it's also like really shoddily done. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'll continue with poaching things I was going to say. Um, <laughs> like for instance, Critters Four. Which mm-hmm. I think we all agree, or Critters Three, all agree, not very good. Mm-hmm. It was shot on film. Yep. So there is, there has to be for it to have a developed image on screen. There has to be a level of craftsmanship in yep. order to even get to clear that bar. And, and that so bar, much of this comes down to lighting. Yes, yeah. and that doesn't exist anymore. And so it's like, yes, it's very freeing for filmmakers. I'm happy. I, I mean, it's not like the shit that I've made looks fucking good. You know, we're just doing the best that we can with what we got. But it's, it, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, I miss even the low, even a low budget, if yeah. it's not shot on video, 80s horror movie looks fine. It looks yeah. pretty good, I guess. Yeah. I was asking myself while I was watching this movie. And this is the last thing I'll say about, it's not really about this movie, but a yeah. question, a hypothetical that came up in the middle of my viewing yesterday was what is, what is the best movie I can think of that looks like shit? Right. Um, and I think the thing, the, the issue with, you know, one of the things with a question like that, again, comes down to the film versus digital divide mm-hmm. where it's like, in the time when all films had to be film, the floor was much higher. Yes. Because like you're saying, you, you, you have no choice but to shoot on film so that there there are things that must happen to have an image mm-hmm. when you're shooting film that just require more forethought, more planning, more lighting um, versus digital where you really can, especially nowadays with a camera, with a modern camera... You know, even even the last generation of cameras, just like an Alexa, Alexa Mini, like you can shoot without really lighting anything mm-hmm. if you choose to, right? The camera has the ability, as the latitude, to record in pretty much anything but like a pitch black room. Yeah, even then, and that's not necessarily good. There's like, I know, um, Better Call Saul, since it's the more recent of the Breaking mm-hmm. Bad shows, um has lenses and cameras they use that can be lit like Barry Lyndon style by candlelight. Mm. Yeah. And it looks great because they're professionals, <laughs> you know, they're, they're <laughs> long time professionals doing it. So it's not yeah. to say that like digital can't look good. It's what we have now. It's what all the shows are being shot on. So yeah. thing, anything that looks good now is likely on digital camera. Yeah. But, this it's it's that low end that really stands out, but again, in a way, that's just our preference, and that's right. something that's hard to define. It's hard for me to say this is better than this, even mm. though technically, like a movie, a low budget movie like fucking Boogeyman, looks better to me than Critters yeah. Attack. But that's really just my preference. Mm-hmm. That's not something you can sure quantify yeah think about that question i asked and let's revisit it 
when we get to talking about this a bit more in the next segment. What yes, is the yeah. worst looking movie you've I, seen that you think is That's a great question. Good? I want to yeah. think uh, let me think on. Okay. It. Um in the meantime, this was simply a discussion of um really cinematography and lighting. Uh we haven't we, we I haven't shared any of my other thoughts about Critters Attack yet. So, let's talk a little bit about the movie. It came out in 2019. Um this is a uh, a sci-fi affiliated film. Mm-hmm. Um, it did not, to the best of my knowledge, unlike a say, uh, Return of the Living Dead, Necropolis. It did not debut on sci-fi. It um, it had a festival run, and then it had a, a like a home video release, and then I think there was also so there were multiple versions made. This is actually an R-rated film. Mm-hmm. And then there is a PG-13 cut, I believe, which aired on sci-fi at some point. Um, so it's a weird little hybrid that that it's like sci-fi was part of the team that made it, but it was really more this company called Blue Ribbon Content, um, which is a, a subsidiary of Warner Brothers and Warner Brothers TV. Blah, 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 blah. Whatever. Um, the director of this movie... We were just looking up some of this stuff before we started recording. It's a guy named Bobby Miller. Um, and I can't find the exact dates of employment, but I have discovered that Bobby Miller worked at BuzzFeed. Uh, and based on some pictures I've seen and some video, he worked in the same office that I worked in briefly, an office which the company was only in for about two years. So if we didn't overlap, we probably didn't miss each other by much. Um, he... Uh, I think we would call him an up-and-coming horror filmmaker. Um, he directed a short called Tub, <laughs> which I found. I was watching a little bit of. It seems amusing. Um, it debuted at Sundance uh, and played at South by and Fantasia. So he's getting, you know, he, he he's having some success at least, you know, on the festival circuit. And and this, I guess, led then to his first feature which came out about five years ago, I think. It's called The Cleanse. Um, and yeah, five years ago would have been a little bit more uh, zeitgeisty, but I, as I understand it, it is sort of supernatural creature feature thing, but around like a juice cleanse type of yeah. uh, setup, which sounds kind of amusing. And Eric, you were, like me, taken aback a little bit at the, at the cast of this film. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. We got Angelica Houston and Oliver Platt. Yeah, in this movie. Uh, the lead is Johnny Galecki, yeah. one of the stars of what was for a time, I think, the most popular show on television. Um, is he in Young Sheldon? Do we know? I d- I don't know. Let okay. me look it up. Yeah, it also stars Anna Friel. If people were fans of Pushing Daisies, um, and one of my favorite character actors, Kevin J. O'Connor who I think has shown up in a couple Killstreak movies. I have to um, look at a picture of him. The name doesn't... He's the guy... You would know him best as like the sidekick kind of uh, double-crossing guy from the Mummy movies. Um, I think he's doing a little bit of... It's like not technically brown face because he doesn't put any makeup on, but I think he is playing sort of an Egyptian guy. Mm-hmm. But you'd recognize him. He's in a lot of stuff. Oh, okay. He also has yeah. a, a substantial role in a movie that I'm always trying to get people to watch, Lord of Illusions, mm. um, which I think is streaming right now. 
I gotta watch it. I haven't seen yeah, it. I've been trying to get you to watch it for at least three years now. Well, I have free time now, so I can. Okay, great. Um, yeah, I'll let you know where it's streaming. Um, but um, yeah, so Bobby Miller, this was his his first feature was the Clans, uh, and it was the the release in the uh, you know of the Clans and Blue Ribbon content. These folks who had acquired the rights to do a new Critters movie. Um, that's how this happened, basically. You know, he gets a call. Do you want to do this Critters thing? And The Cleanse, I guess, was a creaturey film. It was the kind of thing that, like, naturally suggested he might be a good fit for this. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of practical creature effects in The Cleanse and, like, small, weird creatures. Weird little guys, as we like to call yeah, them. weird little guys. Yeah. Um, weirdly, the, the, the Critters new binge stuff was happening at the same time that this was going into development. Totally unrelated. Okay. I was wondering Um, about that. Yeah. So that's a shutter thing. Um, that web series, um, which I guess I can say now because we've talked about the cinematography from the trailer. It looks a little bit better really than this. Yeah. But, uh, that doesn't speak to the script or the acting or anything else just like strictly like the cinematography looks a little bit better um but um this one um so they brought bobby miller on they had a script that had been written by a guy named scott lobdell who is a well-established comic book writer Mm. um he worked for marvel in the 90s and dc in the 2010s uh he wrote on um, superman uh, Teen Titans, some other stuff, and then he wrote the script for Happy Death Day. Have you seen that one, Eric? I actually haven't, but I've been meaning to. It, it's, it's decent. I yeah, like it. A lot of people yeah. like it. Um, it's what's his name? That's I think that's Christopher Landon, um, mm. and he's got a real oeuvre he's created for himself, uh, which is really just like take non-horror film archetypes and then make them horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, it's like pretty clever, and it seems to be working pretty well for him. So, just as an example, um, you know, Happy Death Day is a Groundhog Day movie. Um, it's just a horror movie, mm-hmm. right? Um, he also did Freaky, if you remember that one. That's yeah. uh, Vince Vaughn, uh, and that's a body switching movie, but it's a horror movie, right? Um, and I think he's got a, he wrote a bunch of the Paranormal Activity movies. He's he's done a lot of writing too, but. I, I see this as this is I think he has sort of a thing that he's doing in him. I'm curious to see what he does next. Um, Looks like he has a movie called We Have a Ghost that's on Netflix. Oh yeah, with Tignataro. Tignataro. David Harbour. I'm, I don't I don't want to tell tales out of school, but I met Tignataro once and she was very not nice to me. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just did tell a tale out of school, <laughs> but I won't give you any other details. I mean, it's in school. You're the person that that happened to. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, it was a real, like, all I will say is that she literally said, who are you and why are you talking to me? Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, It was cool. (laughs) It was cool. (laughs) And the reason. She really showed me. Yeah. The reason I was talking to her is because we were at a party together and she was sitting with a person that I knew and I was talking to. And I ended up talking to the both of them 
Yeah. So anyways, that was a long time ago. Maybe getting cancer made her nicer. That's neither here nor there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What's the worst celebrity interaction you've ever had? Ever? I don't think I have one that I can point to. I mean, worst is a weird way to put it. Or I guess the rudest. Well, that was the rudest with a celebrity being rude to me. I did something once that I have regretted forever. Um, it's very, it's not that bad. It's not like cancelable or anything. So I was at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater once while I was working there and doing some shows there. And um, there used to be um, like a little kind of next to the stadium, the very 99 seats that are sort of stadium stacked on the, on one side of there was like a little walkway from uh, from a backstage area to the stage. And a lot of people, friends of comedians and other performers and stuff would sort of gather there and watch shows that you probably know. Yeah. The spot I'm talking about. So this one time I was watching a show standing there. Some of my friends were in a show and Mindy Kaling, and this was, this was 15 years ago, uh, came and stood right in front of me and, and started watching the show. And then she turned around and very considerately, she was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to stand in front of you. And I laughed because <laughs> she, she's more than a foot shorter than me. <laughs> so her standing in front of me did not impact my view of the stage at all. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't say anything mean, but I just laughed at her and I was like, <laughs> no, it's fine. And she seemed a little bit offended and turned around. And then I was like, oh my God. Oh no. That was that was terrible. <laughs> I thought of mine, which was uh when I was a PA on Too Late with Adam Carolla. Mm. And my first day we were tasked Steve O was on the show and I was given the task of making sure Steve O didn't hurt anybody because he was blackout <laughs> drunk. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then he ended up like kicking through a glass table on camera, cutting himself and bleeding everywhere. Had to be brought to his apartment. Yeah, it was a low for Steve-O. He's doing fine now. Seems like a nice guy, but... He's been sober for a while. Yeah, it was real thrown into the deep end for me. And I was, like, pumped to meet him, too. And I guess, like, in a way, I was like, well, that's pretty fun. (laughs) In a life-ruining kind of way. It's memorable. Yeah. Yeah, it was memorable. Anyway. I also once got... Um... What's the word you would use? It's not quite cock blocked because it's more like swooped. Mm. Is that a thing people say? Yeah, swoop. Somebody, somebody swoops in. in on you. Yeah, I got swooped by Cuba Gooding Jr. Oh. <laughs> you know, known for being respectful to women. Yeah, Cuba Gooding. He Jr. was married at the time. He was oh, wearing his Jesus. wedding ring. He and I had a, a verbal confrontation. <laughs> I was eventually uh, separated from him by his security, but. Uh, very very brief. <laughs> um, there, it was a twins situation uh-huh. where I met a girl at a bar, and we started talking and kind of hit it off, and we're having a good time. She had a twin sister. Who oh, was I assume also you there. meant like a Danny DeVito, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah, me situation. and Jr. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so I guess the twin, unbeknownst to me, while I was like trying to flirt with this one girl, had been 
making inroads with Cuba Gooding Jr. Mm -hmm. at the same bar. And then at a certain point, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. decided he was going to take not only his twin, but the other twin twin? (laughs) with him. And so he came over and he was like, they were like, let's go, we're going. And the girl who was with me was like, I don't want to go. Where are you going? And then they're like, he's like, my place. And she was like, I don't really. And he was like, we're going. And then I was like, and then I told him, I was like, she can do whatever she wants to, man. Wow. And he was like, shut the fuck up. He literally told me to shut the fuck up. Wow. And then I was like, and, and so I looked, I had noticed his hand. And I was like, "Where? what are you going to do with these girls, man? That's a nice wedding ring you have, by the way. <laughs> and at that point, he, like, put his hand up and waved over some big fucking dude. And he, like, literally was like, you need to leave. And I was like, you don't work here. You can't make me leave. <laughs> wow. And, and then the girl was like, whatever, whatever. I don't want, I don't want anything. I don't want anything happening. So she got up and she left and she was like, sorry, it was nice to meet you. And that was That's it. crazy. Um, yeah. I feel like because you were a single man when I was a married man mm-hmm. through these early LA times for us, you had way more interactions than I would have. Yeah. Anyway, let's get back to Critters Attack. I made out with a girl at Laura Prepon's house once. Well, I did meet Laura <laughs> Prepon a few times. She was nice. She was cool. Yeah. She was still sort of attached to Scientology at the time. Yeah. And the girl that I made out with definitely was. Um, yeah. So Maria Thayer farted on me. Yeah, that's right. We uh, we also. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. No, nothing nothing uh, too exciting. She didn't come home with me. I'll just put it that way. She's weird. She's she, a, she was an odd lady. I feel like from my experience, she eats healthily. <laughs> it was a good smelling too. <laughs> no. No? Uh, opposite. Oh, okay. But that's what happens when you eat a lot of greens. I think so. There's like okay. a lot of like probably a lot of gr- greens. Cruciferous greens. Yeah, or... yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. All right. Uh, directed by Bobby Miller, written this by is, Scott Lobdell. We're going to get fucking canceled from this episode. <laughs> Why? I'm just, I don't know. I'm just dropping truth bombs. Um, <laughs> the movie stars uh, a young actress named Tashiana Washington, who seems to have played like a child or a teen in a lot of stuff um, based on her age. Um, she was in um, straight out of Compton. Oh. Uh, she was in the, the new shaft movie from 2019. Um, I never saw yeah. That. She's a movie called gimme shelter, which I think did some, did some, uh, a little business. I think it was like a kind of festival or not, you know, words, baby thing. Anyways, that's not important. She's a voice in ice age, continental drift. Um, other major cast members, um, the, her younger brother, uh, is played by a guy named Jaden Noel. Who's not in a lot of stuff. Uh, Ava Preston plays his sort of, uh, child love interest. Um, Trissy, some other people. The only recognizable face really in the group is the return of D. Wallace. Yeah. Um, playing, according to them, the same character, oh, but due is? to some sort of naming rights thing, 
which doesn't make any fucking sense to me because it's like you have the rights to the Critters movie. You can't call her the same name, yeah. but apparently they couldn't. So she's called Aunt D here, but she is supposedly playing the same woman from the first film. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, this whole movie was shot in South Africa. What? Yeah, you didn't know that? <laughs> no, I thought it was Canada. No, it's not Canada. It's uh, it's South Africa. Wow. It's uh, not Johannesburg. What's the other big city? Uh, Cape Town? Uh, Cape Town, yeah. I think it's Cape Town. Uh, but yeah, either way, um, you know, it works for a little town with a school and stuff. It I, didn't stick out to me at any point. No, I thought it was Canada. Okay. There you go. I mean, so it works perfectly. If you're looking, who's looking for a Canada substitute? No one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, as a result, uh, there is a whole bunch of uh, South African crew members and stuff. Mm. Uh, and it's funny. I did think it was interesting that it's like, are there not that many South African names? Because there are like multiple people in the ca- in the crew with the last name De Beers, and like, <laughs> I saw multiple, at least one Pistorius, and I was like, oh, they just like, do they just have like twenty names in yeah. South Africa? <laughs> Uh, anyways, yeah, so that's uh, kind of the deal. It did not have a theatrical release. Um, it uh, there's no I, I have no idea how much it actually cost to make or how much money it did make. Um, it's obviously not a, a super high budget uh, undertaking. Um, yeah, and then there's not a ton of reviews of it. The ones that are there are sort of middling to negative. Um, what else do I usually talk about here? That's pretty much it. That's right? pretty much it, yeah. We've talked about a lot of other things. Um, but yeah, I think that's all we really need to cover right now. If it makes you feel any better, Ava Preston, who plays Trissy, is Canadian. Uh, there was another, like a, a ranger or somebody who I was like, ah, that guy sounds Canadian. Okay, he might have been. What was, I know who you're talking about. I'll, I'll look it up during the break. It's important. Okay, um, yeah. All right, let's take a quick break. You can eat some pizza, and then we'll uh, continue on. I, I am going to eat some pizza. Joe Vaz is the ranger. He's uh, from Johannesburg. So. Oh, oh, there you go. Ranger Jonathan. <laughs> all right, let's take a pizza break. <laughs> In 1986, they invaded our world. Drea, did you see that? I think it was an alien spaceship. Don't be weird, Philip. Now they're back. Hello? And hungry. (laughs) For more. They're furry. Oh, he's so cute. Ferocious. What the hell is that? And they love. What's that sound? Fast food. Aliens are real. Hey, Drea, how's babysitting? It's going great. This time, you're telling me this one's good? Everyone is on the menu. We're all gonna die tonight, aren't we? 
don't know, but that's a really big gun. Critters attack. Okay, this is a quick one. Um, the Wikipedia entry only has one paragraph, and I refuse to do it by memory. <laughs> Um, where am I? Let's see. Okay. Where is it? Here we are. The, story the film fo- begins with a sushi delivery man yeah. getting attacked by critters. <laughs> the story follows Drea, who takes a job babysitting for a college professor who works at the institution she hopes to attend. This is from filmschoolrejects.com, by the way. Yeah. According to one of her friends, the job will boost her chances of being accepted. Unfortunately. Can I add a couple things while we go? Just because yeah. it's so brief. So, Drea and her little brother, Philip, mm-hmm. um, their mom's dead. Mm-hmm. And is their dad dead, too? It appears that way. Cause yeah, they have no parents. Seems to be they're raised by their uncle, who's a sheriff. Drunk, drunk uncle sheriff. Mm-hmm. Nice guy. Not an abusive drunk. He's a sad drunk. Yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah, she is also a sushi delivery person. She is. Uh, Her mother and- went to Leroy College or Leroy University, mm-hmm. and uh, Drea wants to go there, but has been rejected. So yeah, in the meantime- and her. One of her old best friends got in and mm-hmm. has since stopped talking to her. So there's a lot of tension there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that girl is also dating a hunky South African boy doing it, an American accent. Has the craziest um. voice. He sounds like John <laughs> Hamm. <laughs> All right, please continue. Okay. Um, according to one of Okay, I already said that. Uh, unfortunately, the children she's tasked with overseeing, Trissy and Jake and well, her brothers, Philip, are mm-hmm. bored at home. Mm-hmm. In an effort to entertain the little brats, Drea Ugh. takes them on a nature hike, <laughs> unaware that some hungry krites have crash-landed in their small town and are feasting on every living thing they encounter. Yeah, which, we got the krites. In, yeah, go ahead. I would say it includes uh, some park rangers, mm-hmm. uh, one of them who... Wipes his face on a crite, thinking it's a towel while he's so, showering. Uh, I think he thinks it's like a lupa or a, yeah, like a shower scrubber. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Bunch of park rangers, like as in an outdoor shower. The delivery guy. There's another person who gets eaten. Uh, yeah, like an electrician or something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. While being tracked by the ravenous critters, our group of unlikely heroes discovers a cute seemingly harmless critter queen named Bianca. Who's we don't f- know she's a queen. No, she's, not yet. She's revealed later on. Also, I want to interject that um, prior to this, we're introduced to Aunt D, the D Wallace character, mm-hmm. uh, who is running like a NORAD-style <laughs> critter <laughs> tracking facility with very high-tech yeah. uh, kit. Crystal Palace. Yeah. Naturally, the group can't leave Bianca behind because she's too adorable. But with the other critters looking to feast on them like an all-you-can-eat buffet, they must discover their inner warriors and put a stop to their bloody onslaught. Would you like... Oh, go ahead. No, no. What were you going to say? I would say this does lead to like a big confrontation in the middle of town. Towns being ransacked by critters. People are dying. 
you know, there's a lot of yeah. Eventually, D. Wallace Stone or St- D. Wallace. Um, I can uh, I can try to do like a forty second. Yeah, go for it. Of what? Because this is basically like that sentence of like they discover the inner warriors. That's the third act of the movie. Yeah, it's most of um, it. Yeah. Yeah. So Bianca, they take home because she's super cute. Eventually, critters show up at their house. And it happens off screen, but we get the impression that Bianca just, like, absolutely murdered the shit out of one of the other critters. Yeah, she, like, um, darts him to a wall. Yeah, but she's all, like, smiley and, and like, blinky-eyed and friendly. She looks like a Furby, kind of. Yeah. Um, she, and then She's they, a gizmo. <laughs> she is a gizmo. Yeah, she's very much a gizmo. They end up at the college, right, because it was introduced in the first act. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, there's like the critters are or the college is sort of under siege. They try to enlist the help of the old friend and the South African hunk. The old friend ignores them. The hunk is down. He inexplicably decides to take his shirt off yeah. uh, and then go running to something that they need. And he encounters a critter ball. There's return um, of the critter ball. Yeah. He gets off by the critter ball. Then there's a bunch of business at the college. More people get killed. Eventually, the friend sees the error of her ways. They all kind of unite on a football field. They end up going to a shack, finding a bunch of weapons and tools, and they show down a bunch against a bunch of the critters. Also, right before this, the drunk uncle sheriff discovers that uh, high-pitched sounds mm. is their vulnerability. Yes, um, much but, like the Mars attack aliens. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, he is he is killed, and there's like a sad goodbye with him and uh, Drea, but then she gets an air horn and uses that as a weapon. And eventually they get all the, uh, like all but the, you know, the kind of head critter gets off, but then apparently there's a ton more cause there's another showdown with a critter ball. Mm-hmm. And then aunt D shows up with her space age weapons. And then together they blow up the critter ball and save the day. Yeah. It's kind of the end of the movie. Oh, and uh, Philip and Trissy, you know, are slowly falling in love over the course of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a very, he gets a he gets a dart in his neck yeah like a quill dart and and then there's just like the aftermath where they're like flirting and stuff but he just has like literally like a ten inch quill sticking out of the side of his neck and she like pokes at it and stuff it's very I'm weird still not sure what a quill does I I had the impression based on the dialogue here. That that was almost like a little winking joke of the movie. That mm. was like, because I think Drea gets hit with a quill at yeah, one point. She, she freaks out, and then she's like, I guess I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if that was what I thought it was, I chuckled, you know. Uh, okay, so Blood and Guts Check, you just spoke for a while. Sure. I don't know why I reacted so strongly to Critter's Attack, mm-hmm. because thinking back on it, and hearing us talk about it, it's not the worst movie we've covered, but I really ha- reacted strongly. Mm-hmm. And I wrote down, these are my top line notes that I wrote down as I was okay. watching. This sucks. Sci-Fi Channel sub WB level acting and script. This might be my breaking point. One day I'm going to die. <laughs> I've never seen Lawrence of Arabia. It's <laughs> pretty good. They don't even make shitty movies like they used to. And so that got me thinking, why? Why? Why 
am I so accepting of a shitty movie from 30 years ago mm-hmm. compared to a shitty subpar movie? Because at the most, I could say that this is just a subpar movie. It's not yeah. awful. Yeah. But it's subpar. And I think the reasons why we kind of went into, but I think there's also an added layer when I'm watching an old shitty movie that at least I can look at it and see what it used to be like and remember Mm -hmm. it's different than it is now. But this, there's just like a familiarity to it all. That's even more boring. I'm missing the, the, the historical context uh, that's just like kind of ingrained in any, like for instance, I'm watching, there's nothing out there and I'm Uh looking at the inside of a house and I'm like, oh yeah, this is what houses were like before we had internet or cordless or cordless phones. Oh yeah, at least I can concentrate on that while the shit's happening. Yeah, uh-huh. and in this I can't. I don't know. Okay, it's kind of rambly. Um, Mike, what was your blood and guts check for Critters Attack? Um, I hope there's not too much chewing, smacking noise happening. I couldn't hear <laughs> folks at home. Okay, good. Um. Well, okay, I made a little list here. So this, by my count, is at least the sixth, um, like, really kind of like sci-fi mm-hmm. attached or adjacent late era reboot movie we've covered. Um, mm-hmm. Going all the way back to the very first series you know i mentioned return of the living dead necropolis and rave to the grave um we did deep blue sea 2 mm-hmm. is sci-fi beyond reanimator mm-hmm. um leprechaun origins so all these movies are sort of of a piece with each other mm-hmm. where it's it's like it feels like from the perspective of the studio it's a cash grab mm-hmm. um but it's it's often a place to like plug in an up and coming director and see if they can do something interesting and the answer is usually no. Mm-hmm. Um, they're super super cheap, so there's always going to be a really uphill climb to make anything decent because you know these people are getting like no fucking money to make these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, they all tend to look like shit, um, which we talked about. <laughs> yep. And so. I'll say that, and and this will maybe tip a little bit of what we'll talk about in the third segment. I have been unimpressed by the Critters series. Yeah. Um, none of these movies has been, like, just hands down good. Like, um, and so I think the bar is pretty low for Critters. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at these other five movies, the bar is incredibly low. These are horrible movies. Yeah, yeah. These, these movies are terrible. These are some of the worst movies we've, we've ever reviewed covered. on the podcast. Yeah. I will compl- I got big Deep Blue Sea 2 vibes in yeah. this one. And I forgot that was a sci-fi. Mm-hmm. So when I watched this, I as it started and it became very clear to me, like, oh, this is going to be one of those movies. Yeah. You know, the goalposts shifted for me. And I was like, I had an expectation. And I will say that I think that this movie was better than those other five movies. Okay. Um, and there's a handful yeah. of reasons why. Uh, it is not the the cinematography, the production value. No. It, it it looks bad. It looks like these other movies. The acting is, by and large, not good. 
It's not the worst acting. No. But it's but it's like not good acting. These are all TV actors. Like they're yeah. they're not But but not even like coming. they're young TV actors. Yeah. They're not even like TV actors with like main roles. These are like supporting TV actors. Yeah. Yeah. Um however I think that the attention to detail or just like the effort that was seemingly put into the effects is mm-hmm. higher than average. Yeah. Um, it seems mostly practical. It's mostly puppets. Yeah. Uh, really not a lot of glaring, like, horrible CG shots. Um, and I actually think that the script was better than most of the other Critters movies. Um, mm. Because uh, what I'll say is, like, it moves pretty quickly. It, it does. like. Like when I when you hold it in contrast to Critters Three, yeah, uh, not Critters Four. I mean, like Critters Four, there were just like fifteen minute stretches of ponderous nothingness. Yes, um, that like that's what made me really check out of that movie. And this one, even though it's like bad, um, I was in it the whole time because. We were always just moving from one thing to the next. There was a kill like every ten minutes. At, there's at, a there's a lot of critters yeah. action. Yeah, lots of critters action, which has been it's, lacking in the last two movies. Totally, it was less cartoony. The action itself, like the critters and what they're up to, was a little bit less cartoony than like Critters Three. Yeah. And um, and you know, and there's positives here. The return of the critters ball, yeah, uh, is fun. When it showed up, I was like, good. It's stupid that that was only in one movie up to this point. Um, And I think overall, my experience with this movie was it slightly exceeded my incredibly low expectations. Now, does that make it a good movie? No, it does not. Um, But I think as opposed to the experience that you had, I kind of guiltily enjoyed this a little bit to me this was like a bad movie that i didn't mind sitting through i think for me it's less of a reaction to this being a critters movie and more of a reaction to it being a sci-fi original in everything that that entails Mm -hmm. and i fucking hate it sorry not this movie i hate those sci-fi original movies. sure yeah there's never been a good one as you pointed out there's some of the worst movies we've covered yeah. On this three years now running podcast. Mm-hmm. They're always boring, pretty faces, doing some nonsensical bullshit. It looks bad. It's just never good. And I do agree with you that this one has more creativity and more joie de vie <laughs> than the rest of them do. Because yeah. it does seem to have some affection for the Critters series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's like you pointed out a couple callbacks and Easter eggs. D Wallace is here, even though like her presence doesn't do much for me in this <laughs> no. movie. No. Um, but the puppets are cool. The puppets yeah. do look pretty good. And there's gore, which is mm-hmm. un But then I'm like, well the whole the rest of the movie seems like a fucking Nickelodeon show. Like, a little bit, yeah. Why is this have to be a gory movie, although I appreciate it, I guess. Um, it's the only R-rated Critters movie. Yeah. At least yeah. in this cut, you know. Um, no, I, I think that's all... I think that's all right. I don't I don't just think it's valid. I think I agree with you. Um, 
I guess maybe my takeaway is when I watch these movies and I sort of think about, because one of the things that I think is like an overarching unspoken theme of our entire podcast, and I think this is true of most podcasts in this kind of format where people watch a movie every week and talk about it. Mm -hmm. It's like sort of trying to figure out what makes things good and bad. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a lot at the, that's at the heart of a lot of the conversations we have. And so I spend a lot of time thinking about who's responsible and why. Why is this bad? Why is this element good? What elements are the ones that really lead to a, like a positive or a negative takeaway? And I guess what I would say is director Bobby Miller and writer Scott Lobdell. I, watching this movie didn't make me go like, these guys are trash. Yeah. Right? Like... A lot of what's wrong with this movie, I think, can be attributed to the format and yeah. the and and sort of the the cookie cutter approach. And so within that like very narrow lane that they're kind of forced to work in, I actually feel like you can see a little bit higher quality coming through yeah. from the writing and the directing, even though it's really being held down by everything that makes a sci-fi movie a sci-fi movie. I'll agree with that. I feel like it's this is not the sci-fi original movie is not for uh, auteurs. <laughs> this <laughs> you're not going to get any sort of like deeper yeah. artistic expression. Right. Or like be able to take chances. Mm-hmm. And I don't fault the director for taking this paycheck or taking this opportunity sure. to mm-hmm. make a movie in a pretty well-known franchise it makes sense yeah i don't begrudge them at all it's Mm. more of like yeah it's it's the machine that made it it's 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 the i mean it's like on a lower on a much much smaller cheaper scale it's like a marvel movie where they all sort of feel and look the same and you just plug and play a new director and, and yeah do you want credit for directing a feature film yes you can you can get it yep that's about all you're going to get. Right. Exactly. Um, no, I think that's right. I actually was thinking, as you were describing it, I started thinking about Marvel. And I think that's that's spot on. Um, and I'm curious, you know, I wonder if there's... I feel like when I was younger, I my, my feelings about the world were that, like, the world is so big that... Whatever, it's almost like the kind of multiverse theory, but just on a terrestrial basis where it's like, well, there has to be one of these that is good, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you look long enough and far enough and and deeply enough, you will find the sci-fi original movie that isn't terrible. But now that I've gotten older and more cynical, there may not be one. It may be that every single one of these ever made is bad and there will never be a good one. Yeah. Um, just an interesting philosophical. Yeah, it's true. Oh, and you, I, I still can't really think of a bad, a good movie that looks bad. Okay, well, did you have? Here's, one? I had one, and good is pretty relative. You have to kind of remove all the context and just think about the first time you saw it and when it came out and what you thought of it. Clerks was the one sure. that came to mind for yeah, me. Yeah. Oh yeah, I it's guess a, in that regard, like really low budget. Yeah, indie movies. I mean, even like a um, 
basket case or something like looks looks bad but yeah but i would fun. say like if you held up back basket case against like clerks you, yeah. with basket yeah. case you're like it's it's in color it's lit more yeah it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like more theatrical it's not good it's like very low quality clerks is a movie that i think of and i'm like it like it, it doesn't feel stylistic it's like this is the best they could manage yeah was just like <laughs> this very very it looks like watching sir and honestly maybe this was thematically something kevin smith thought of but it looks like watching like cctv yeah 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 totally. like, that's that's the quality of it um but yeah, I mean, as far as like true, like, and you know, comedy, I think is easier and like small scale drama and stuff. But, but yeah, I mean, I can't think of a whole lot of movies that I think were good in spite of the fact that they look just terrible. I mean, there's like the whole dogma 95 mm. genre of movie that like, I, mean, I don't know if I love any of those, but they look like shit intentionally. So. Yeah. Um, or like Inland Empire is not a David Lynch movie I love, but it looks like shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But that's, yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's that that's the digital experimentation phase. Yeah. That was his first digital movie, I think. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, I don't have a whole lot I want to discuss, like that I wrote okay. down on this movie. Other, I was like, oh, why is there always a bald critter? <laughs> yeah. Like after that first one gets his hair blown off and so he says bitchin', like now there's just always a bald critter. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, also, did the main bad critter, was I not paying attention when it lost its eye the first time? I wasn't was paying attention. born with an eye missing? Yeah. Yeah. I missed that. Uh, I didn't take a lot of notes because I found that it was dangerous for me to have my phone in my hand during this movie. <laughs> well, I appreciate you resisting that urge. That's that's very mature. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, did you have anything else? Uh, no, I think I whatever I have left to say, I can say in my final thoughts. All right. For kills, um, I'm definitely going to miss some here because it's kind of just an all out massacre towards the end but we got the sushi delivery guy who gets pulled off screen and then eggs burst from his stomach later mm-hmm. uh camper is eaten a ranger in the shower who mistakes a critter for like a loofah two more rangers get attacked in their office an electrician in the woods gets killed d um shoots a critter a critter bursts from the siren uncle lewis dies sushi chef chops one of one of the critters in half the bagpipe guy get, dies. Greg gets rolled over by the critter ball. And then, um, yeah, from there, just a lot of exploding critters. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think Clim- I'm... Climaxing with the, the critter ball being blown. To yeah. Smithereens. Yeah. Mike, did you have a favorite? Um, yeah. Although, actually, before I said, is did we establish, is the blood a different color now? than it used to be i mean in the critter eggs when you step on were that mm. color but i don't re- i ever thought the critters had red blood when they exploded yeah i thought so too but maybe i'm misremembering no um okay so uh with all of those i probably have like a top two um i think i did enjoy mostly for the premise the shower kill was the funniest Mm. It was it was, a, it was a fun one because uh, 
there's like a lot of build up to like this critters approaching this guy who's in an outdoor shower and then there is like a big ball scrubber right next to where the critter is and he mm-hmm. like grabs the wrong one and then it's pretty funny because he tries to wipe his face with it and then the critter just like bites his head yeah and then he's like spinning around in the shower with the critter attached to his head so i'll say that one um i like the critter that bursts from the siren when we find <laughs> yeah because it's just a fun it's explosion gooey yeah, gooey, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say runner... too, throughout Sorry, the series, mm-hmm. the best deaths for me have always been critter deaths. Oh yeah, for sure. They don't do much with the people. It's really only the first one even that there's a significant damage done to the people, I feel like. Yeah. Otherwise, even this one, it's more like there's lots of blood, but it's just kind of like you don't see gore effects. It's like critters gnawing on arms and on legs bones and, and stuff. blood yeah. everywhere. Yeah, There were a couple of good bone ones. Runner up for me was probably the sushi chef. The yes, that was that was a good one too. Yeah. Um, zombie thumbs up or down? Is this movie gory? Uh, I mean, I guess technically. Yeah, I think yeah. especially for the series. Yes, yes. it's the most yeah. gory one in the series. Mm-hmm. Ghost thumbs up or down? Is this movie scary? Hell no, no, no. Ghost thumb down. Yeah, none Not of these scary. have been scary. No. Um, and then finally, right? Are yeah. You missing anything? Finally. No. Slash, smash, or crash. All right, why don't you go first? <clears throat> yeah, I've you know spent most of this episode complaining about this movie. It's definitely a slash for me. I think, like I was saying, it's less that it has less to do with the movie itself, which is probably unfair to the movie. But who gives a shit? It's my fucking podcast. <laughs> when I'm, I'm part of this podcast. Um, you can just call it. You can call it your podcast. That's fine. Um, so, but it really like I just hate this form. I hate sci-fi original movies. Mm-hmm. Fucking boring. They're never mm-hmm. good. Ugh, this might be the best of the best, but that's like saying, you know, it's like the world's tallest. I can't say that word anymore. <laughs> Thanks a lot, PC police. Um, <laughs> so it's a slash for me I have nothing else to say about this okay um, I think you know it's all about expectations for me um, if I wasn't doing this podcast for three years and you sat me down and told me to watch this movie I think I would have said oh, this is terrible Yeah. why did you make me watch this but I've seen all these other bad sci-fi movies. And I've also seen four previous Critters movies, none of which really lit my hair on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of torn as to how much context I want to apply to my rating. Um, because I think in a vacuum, it's a slash. But... I think if you're like, I like the Critters movies, um, and I want to see, and it, it's it's like, if you're a fan of this franchise, for what it what the first four movies were, and it's been dormant for 30 years, and then someone says, they're making a new Critters movie, and this is the one that comes out, I, I have to imagine, a lot of people aren't, like, furious. This isn't a movie... That comes and then like spits and pisses on everything that Critters stood for. Mm. Uh, it's kind of just like 
a lot bad, but some good. I think it is. I think it is the best movie for kills in the in the franchise. Probably. Um, I thought the story moved pretty well. I liked the soundtrack or the score. I guess. Yeah, the score is pretty good, actually. I meant yeah. to say that. Um, and it looks like shit, cinematography, lighting wise, but the effects are pretty good. The effects, I would say, are better than some of the other movies in the series. They're not the worst effects in the series. And the Kyoto brothers aren't even involved. You know? No. Although apparently they did repurpose a couple old Kyoto puppets in the Critters Ball. Hmm. And they also used them as a jumping off point for designing their own Critters puppets. Um, so I think for me... It's right on, like, with that context added, it's really right on the border of a slash and, like, a really, really low smash. And that's, I think, you know, your mileage may vary depending on, like, your stomach for bad movies, which, you know, like Eric was saying, if it's an 80s movie, he's on board for a bad movie a lot of the time. So if that's not, like, a personal bias that you feel like you have, and you like the critters, I think it's probably worth checking out. Um, if you're looking for quality, if that's what your your goal is, yeah. then no, no, you're not going to get it here. This is a, this is a slash in terms of like objective quality. But you know, if you like the series, you like the little creatures, and you don't mind a really shitty, campy, cheesy, low budget movie, then you might like this. So, um, yeah, I know that's kind of like a hem, like a like I'm sitting on the fence with that one. So I guess I'll call it a very mild slash. But there is some there is some value here for the right person. Okay. Awesome. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll come back talk about the whole series and announce our new yeah. series. Okay. <laughs> Okay, we're back. We have some superlatives to hang out, to hang out, to hang. hand out. <laughs> to dangle, <laughs> dangle their hanglows. Um, we're gonna hand out some superlatives. Yeah, to we're wrapping up this the franchise. Yeah. Here. Oh, do you want to do your um, your run through? We do that before we rank, right? Yeah, I think I, I can never. I think we do it before we do this part too. Okay. I, think, I mean, it's always up to us, but um, but yeah, I think I have it ready to go here. So we're talking about the five movies we just watched. Unfortunately, we couldn't get our hands on Critters: A New Binge. Um, so we started the series with the original Critters, uh, released in 1986, directed by Stephen Herrick of Bill and Ted and Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead fame. Well, he gets name-checked in this one, too. Yeah, there's a cat named Herrick. I yeah. Um, written by Dominic Muir, Stephen Herrick, and Don Opper, based on a story by Dominic Muir. Um, that's the one where we first meet the critters. They crash to Earth and uh, take over a farmhouse where Aunt D, who is not actually named D in that movie, she's named Helen, but... Um, her family, uh, led by young whippersnapper Scott Grimes, has to fight the Critters off with the help of two alien bounty hunters. Um, Critters 2, The Main Course, came out two years later in 1988, directed by Mick Garris, 
written by David Toohey, creator of the Riddick franchise, mm-hmm. and McGarris. Uh, this one uh, brings back uh, Scott Grimes' character Bradley Brown, but leaves behind the rest of the Brown family. He returns to town years later as a teenager, and once again, they have to fight off some critters. This is the first appearance of the Critters Ball. This one uh, goes a little jokier. This one sort of turns up the camp a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not that the first one was like super straightforward or anything. Um, Critters 3, uh, 1991, directed by Christine Peterson, written by David Scow. Uh, this is Critters in an apartment building. That's pretty much all you need to know about it. Once again, uh, I haven't mentioned, but Charlie is this recurring character played by Don Opper, who's also... Um, one of the original screenwriters, uh, and he's like a doofus who uh, becomes a intergalactic bounty hunter. Yeah. Um, so he comes back in this one, and then there's a brief cameo by Terrence Mann, who plays the other bounty hunter, Ugg. He shows up in all four of the original movies as well. Those two guys are the only ones that are in all four. Uh, then Critters 4 is uh, 1992, directed by Rupert Harvey, shot simultaneously with Critters 3, this is Critters in Space. That's all you really need to know about it. Uh, and then finally, today's film, Critters Attack. 2019, fully uh, 27 years later, directed by Bobby Miller, written by Scott Lobdell of Happy Death Day and comic books fame. Uh, and we just finished talking about that. So there's your franchise. Now let's talk about uh, bests and worst. All right. Let's first turn our attention to um, the category of... Best Critter Ability. So throughout the course of the series, we've seen the critters do various things. They can roll up into balls. That's their primary way of of traveling. I'm going to close my door. I hear dogs barking. Yeah. Um, They can shoot darts, which (laughs) we're not really... Yeah. Quite sure what that accomplishes, but they Nobody can Nobody really knows. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. people get sleepy. Sometimes nothing happens. <laughs> sometimes it creates like postule, pustules, but yeah. sometimes it doesn't. It's There's really a hit or miss. consistency, perhaps in this franchise. There's a supersonic scream that shatters glass. That's only in the third one, I believe. Right. And based on the lore of the fourth movie, you would assume it would kill all the other critters. That's true. <laughs> And they can form into giant balls of critters that mm-hmm. roll over people. They have a lot of teeth. Yes. It's not really an ability, but, you know, they're bitey. Mike, what would and you And in the first movie, they grow. Oh, they do grow. I mean, they kind of <laughs> grow in some of... Like, I never really understand why they're growing, but... I don't think you really, it's not really clear in any of the other movies. It's no. It's only the first one where they keep getting bigger. Yeah. I think for me, my favorite ability mm. of the critters is the critter's ball. Mm-hmm. That's that's a classic critter ability. Yeah. It's on the cover. Well, actually, it's not really on the cover. of. Uh, it's on the cover of some of the VHS yeah. tapes, but not all of mm-hmm. them. Um, so that's going to get my vote as best. What about you, Mike? That's the only correct answer. Yeah, that's the, it really is. That, that's the most, I think, for someone who knows horror movies a bit but hasn't watched any of these movies in a really long time that's what you remember you remember that there's a big ball of critters combined together that rolls around and eats things yeah certainly i think the best singular idea that this franchise ever had in the first two movies we have the shape-shifting lee Mm -hmm. um takes on the form of some various characters um what is your so i'm sorry 
<laughs> so this superlative is best Lee form. Yes. Um, the answer is boobs. Yep. Um, <laughs> That's the answer is that incredible babe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. One time uh, he becomes a Playboy centerfold and appears topless. Yeah. Uh, and wearing and a thong. Yeah. It's and, pretty and cool. With a staple. With a staple in her stomach. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, that uh, played by Roxanne Kernahan. May she rest yeah. in peace. Rest in peace. She died in a car accident, so you can still think she's hot. Um, One of the more unfortunate elements of this series <laughs> is one that we started to notice. We, st- we noticed it early on. But it yeah. weirdly continues through. Yeah, the it didn't throat. go away like you thought it might. <laughs> the, the first four movies, uh-huh. uh, that buffoon Charlie that we mentioned in the beginning, in the first movie, is like an alcoholic. He seems to always attach himself to the youngest cast member, <laughs> the youngest character. Yeah, and so this, <laughs> he's not unlike a member of the Boston Archdiocese. <laughs> His predilection towards young men, very young, young pre-men. <laughs> this one is most egregious grooming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mike, what do you think? What if it like wasn't Charlie? Is that somebody else? Um, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, it's the it's probably the first one. It's got to be think. the first one. Yeah, yeah. it's the one I that makes some... the least amount of sense. Yeah, it's just like, um, well, and that's also the one where, I mean, the the series is always sort of dumb in the way that it wants to tell us that Charlie is one thing, but then he behaves as a different thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, like he really acts like a uh, mentally disabled simpleton. He does. Even though we're told that he's a former minor league baseball star with a drinking problem, which suggests something entirely different. Yeah, no, this, he it's like a Forrest Gump kind of character. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but he is way too close with Bradley Brown, who is also very young. He even movie. lets Brad take the fall for like hitting his sister in the ass with a <laughs> right. with a rock. It's so weird. Oh yeah, he also hits a young girl with a rock in the ass. So yeah, I think that's the correct answer. <sighs> Although there's some uh, do- Critters Three is a little dodgy too. Um, that is true. It's, that's the yeah. one where it really comes into focus like what why are you it happens this so kid fast now? he's yeah. only in the movie for like 10 minutes but in those 10 minutes he finds time to become really close <laughs> with the young boy <laughs> this sucks um, all right okay <laughs> now let's go to something positive best kill okay i feel like this um, is there's only one answer for me well why don't you go first then if you have a very clear one we already mentioned the critter ball Mm-hmm. It's the moment in two where a man gets rolled over by the critter ball and stripped down to his bloody skeleton. That is a pretty good one. It's a good yeah. one. To me, it's like just iconic for the series. I think so. Yeah. In the way that the critter's ball is the best idea in yeah. the series, that's, you know, the best execution of the critter's ball. Um, just in the interest of throwing something different out there. Um, I will say... The death of Billy Zane in the first movie is pretty mm. fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. A makeout session in a barn loft is interrupted by him getting just gobbled by multiple critters. And um, and, and yeah, it's funny. He's very pathetic. He plays it well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he just 
you think he was able to achieve before he died, or did he <laughs> achieve when he died? What if the yeah? What if the career is interrupted? Because you know you can't really stop in the middle of that. No, no. <laughs> it's happening. Uh, <laughs> all right. Lastly. Lastly, this is one we do for every series as well. Mm, yeah. Best actor. Sort of against Eric's will. <laughs> <laughs> it's not always clear. Uh, I, you know, I had a pretty straightforward thought on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the best acting performance e- across this series is um, our protagonist, Bradley Brown, is played by Scott Grimes in Critters 2, mm. the main chorus. It's one of the rare occasions where you see a child actor come back, aged up a bit, and as opposed to getting awkward and weird, I think he's actually become a better actor. Um, Mike, we're in complete lockstep here. That was exactly my answer as well. Yeah. I completely Very agree. Nice. He's kind of the best actor in part two. Yeah, I think so. I would give an honorable mention across the first two movies uh, to Terrence Mann as Bounty mm. Hunter Ugg. He is um, he's always welcome, I'll yes. say. Until they completely rewrite his character uh, in Critters 4 for no reason. For no reason. Yeah. All right. So those are our superlatives. Now it's time to rank the Critters. Let's rank the Critters. Okay. Huh. So five films. Starting at the bottom, Eric, what is your least favorite Critters movie? Well, I'm going to pull a Mike Price here. Okay. I'm going to propose a two-way tie between Critters 3 and Critters 4 because I think they're both deficient in Mm -hmm. very similar ways. They both feel like incomplete movies where Mm. not enough happens, there's not enough Critter stuff, there's not enough plot... Yeah. Or in some, in the case of four, kind of too much plot, but yeah. still long stretches where nothing much is happening. Definitely. And then part three, we're in the, it's just, it is just critters in an apartment building. Mm-hmm. That's it. There's no yeah. real character development or B stories or anything like that. It's just that. Okay. Um. So yeah, that was going to be my pitch. If you don't want to bite on that, then we can, well, this is my, I guess maybe this is my personal. Yeah. Yeah. We'll give you personal. And as we do, then we'll kind of suss out what the, the platonic ranking needs to be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cause I think that's interesting take and I'm, I'm glad that you, you shared it. Oh, also before I forget (laughs) something that I only learned last night, did you know that faceless Lee in Critters 2 mm. is played by adult film legend Randy Spears. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, he started his career as a straight actor, uh, and it wasn't until the late 80s, early 90s, that he transitioned to adult films. Um, so, yeah, he's just uh, Lee under the makeup is Randy Spears. Wow. Yeah. Anyways, just a little bit of trivia. But, okay, I respect your mic pricing. Um, surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't currently have any ties, but you know what? I'm actually going to 
keep track of these points and then hopefully we'll have a clear-cut answer when we finish with the series. For me, my last place is um, is Critters 4. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, well, I'll get to when I talk about the next couple of movies coming up. But for all the reasons that you said, Eric, I just think as far as being the least satisfying of these five movies, I think... Critters 4, especially because, and this I think is a problem that a lot of these movies have. It's like, as you said about Critters 3, it's just Critters in an apartment. That doesn't need to be something damning. Mm -hmm. Like, there are plenty of sequels where it's the thing but here, and Mm -hmm. it's a perfectly fine way to make a sequel. Um, So I do think that this is a franchise sort of defined by missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, And I think Critters 4 really whiffs on... Like, why is it in space? There's no fucking reason. There's no reason. And and it's just not an entertaining movie. Um, it should yeah. naturally fit in space also. Yeah. No kidding. Because, like, the, the space bounty hunter stuff in the first two movies is some of the most fun stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Critters 4, that's my last place film. Um, so I guess I should go ahead and give my yeah, give your fourth place. Fourth, yeah. Um, so my fourth place, and this may come as a surprise to you, especially based on and the conversations the last couple episodes. I actually think that Critters Attack mm. is probably my fourth place movie. Um, I think it's close between that and what I have in third. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just think that all the all the negatives that we discussed uh, weigh heavily. And then I think that my number three has a couple of redeeming qualities that uh, just slightly give it a leg up. But okay. I'm going to say uh, Critters Attack in the number four spot for me. So now, what would your number three be, Eric? My number three would be Critters Attack. Okay. And it's, um, I, I was, you know, I was very harsh on it. Mm-hmm. And I do sort of, I have sort of come around on my reasons for that in my reaction. And I do think there's a cumulative effect of watching all of these movies back to back that really, like, triggered often is time (laughs) so i think my reaction was strongest to this one because i just i'm fucking sick of critters (laughs) (laughs) and then i didn't want to have to sit through it was a real like temper tantrum i threw in my own head i'm like i don't want (laughs) to fucking sit through another one of these stupid sci-fi movie uh but that being said there are some redeemable qualities um you know the the practical critter puppets are fun. There's some fun right. winks. You know, it's that that was enough to propel it beyond my other two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about yourself? Yeah. Um, for me, um, my number three is number three, Critters Three. Um, like you said, it is just critters in an apartment building. For me, there's a lot of novelty in. The appearance of Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that this one has what four lacks, which is a little bit of it's so stupid, it's fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically just in the way that this like little family is written. Um, there's such nonsense with the dad and what's going on with him. <laughs> 
and then like for the train (laughs) yeah yeah which is just like that's a fun memory for me i'm like oh man that was so stupid yeah um and like the shitty superintendent and the evil landlord and it's all like this is a very heightened kind of silly movie that i think i remembering those things is it's like kind of fun whereas critters four for me was like a total slog and then critters attacks was just too weighed down by its low quality. Um, and I also think that like, there's a handful of things that happen in the apartment building that could only really happen in that situation that they set up that kind of work. Uh, and it's also, I think we talked about this when we watched it, it is sort of, it's not scary, but it's the one that has a few moments that are kind of closest to, um, being creepy. Um, so by no means is this like a resounding success. Uh, and a lot of it's just vibes, you know, and remembering yeah. watching each of these movies and watching Critters 3 was an up and down experience as opposed to Critters 4 for certain was just like a down experience. And like I said, this is very close to a tie yeah. between Critters 3 and Critters Attacks. Okay. But I'm going to go ahead and give Critters 3 the leg up. Okay. Um, so for me, number two, I think it, I think it's pretty clear for me. I don't know. I don't think I have much internal struggle. I think the first critters is number two for me. Um, and I think it's a charming movie. It's, this is where the quality flips for me. This is like Mm -hmm. the Mason Dixon line of, of quality. The next two (laughs) I like, uh, (laughs) um, and, and, but one, uh, has the disadvantage of not having the critters themselves be fully explored. You know what sure. I mean? it, yeah. it's, it's, it's a simple movie. And I think that's part of what I like about it also. But I, yeah. a, a lot of my favorite moments that I remembered actually came in my number one pick mm-hmm. that I was like, Oh, I couldn't remember which one it was in. It's like, oh, okay, this is the one that was yeah. the more heavy hitter for me. So number two, uh, I'm sorry, part one in my number the original two slot. The original Critters, by no stretch do I think it's bad. I think it's enjoyable and charming. Mm-hmm. It's not great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that, that's going to be my number two. What about yeah. you? Uh, same. Yeah. And I think you really hit the nail on the head with that. Vague memories of things I liked from the Critters movies and coming to realize that 75% of them were from Critters 2, not from the original Critters. Yes, yeah. That's like the biggest deciding factor. We talked about the Critters Ball. It's like my favorite thing in this franchise. That's all Critters 2. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think the first one, you're totally right. It's it's almost like it falls into that vein we see with some of these franchises, like Friday 13th being a mm-hmm. maybe the most glaring example. Of it. It's like they didn't really figure out what they were doing until slightly later. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think that's that's fair. And I also agree with your assessment that these two movies are the ones that I had a somewhat positive reaction to. Although, you know, we're not grading the franchises anymore. But like I said, this was this was a bit of a letdown of a franchise for me. So these being the sort of leaders of the series, it's, it's sort of a faint praise. Let's grade the franchise. What do you think? I think it's, <laughs> okay, I think sure. a C plus. Uh, I would give this a straight C. See, yeah, that's yeah. fine. I think it makes sense because I like the first two movies more than you do. 
Yeah, yeah. There's your plus. Okay, so you're number one. Number one's Critters 2. Uh, the main course. The main course. Maybe the they main... got the name right, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, this is just a really fun movie full of a lot of fun bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, as I say, like in the most positive way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. D- do you have any more thoughts on it? We kind of said it. Yeah, just, um, yeah, it's the goofiest, but yeah. in a way that maintains some edge. It's also probably the most violent. Of it is. The, maybe tied with Critters Attacks. I mean, Critters Attacks has an R rating and Critters 2 has a PG-13. So for a PG-13, it certainly manages to eke out the most violence. It's also the only one with nudity. Which is weird. Uh, it's, yeah. it's tasteful nudity. It's a classic <laughs> PG-13 brief topless shot. Yeah. It's barely even sexualized. You just get to look at some fun boobs. Um, and I, the one, the other thing that I would say is it's like, it's the rare victory for Mick Garris. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's, and, and it is a, it's such a Mick Garris win in that it's like, it's not a great movie. It's kind of fun. Um, which I think the best things Mick Garris has ever done. That's, that seems to be consistent and that he's never made anything truly good, mm-hmm. but he's made a bunch of stuff that isn't bad. Yeah. So it sounds like we have our number one and two locked in. Mm-hmm. You said something that piqued my interest. Sure. Which is three and attacks is almost tied for you. Yeah. Which I think kind of makes sense for me as well although i tied three and four right in retrospect i do think three is the more enjoyable one of the two of those two well i'll tell you that the scores um are unequivocal Mm. based on just a i did a simple system of first place gets five points Mm -hmm. fifth place gets one point And then for the tie that you assessed, I added two and one, which are the last two spots together, divided by two. So each of those movies got one and a half each. Okay. And so if we just do this strictly by the numbers, then solidly in last place is Critters 4. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then just behind Critters Attacks is Critters 3. So Critters Attacks has a leg up by half a point. I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm cool with that order. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I think. I. I also think that you know, if you were looking for a tiebreaker, imagine a hypothetical scenario in which you remove your era's bias, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Whatever boost Critters Three is getting by being an '80s film, if you take that out of the equation, then I think that you assume that Critters Attacks has a slight leg up. Yeah. Um. So. If we want to go off that metric, uh, our top five, uh, in first place, Critters 2, the main course. In second place, the original Critters, 1986. Then we have Critters Attacks, and then Critters 3, and then finally, in last place, Critters 4, Critters in Space, which is not really the name of the movie, but that's what everybody should be. Yeah, it should be. (laughs) All right. There you have it. There you have it. Thank you for joining us on this Critters Adventure. It is now time to announce the next series we'll be covering here. And we're going to keep the ball rolling on our weird little guys. Next (laughs) up is Munchies. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) 
We will. We should do ghoulies at some point. We should do ghoulies at some point. One um, calendar year from now. <laughs> now in October, we took a trip to my home state, the state of Maine, mm-hmm. to say hello to one of our favorite authors, Stephen King. We didn't literally say hello. We tried, but we tried. We, we covered some Stephen King films. We're going back to the Stephen King. We well, couldn't baby. resist. You can't keep. You can take the Eric out of Maine, but you can't take the Maine out of Eric. <laughs> uh, so we are. We're doing something a little unorthodox here. Um, if you want to get real technical about it, this is sort of a three movie series, but we're treating it as four, and I think yeah. you'll you'll understand. Um, in in honor of school getting out. Uh, the summer months approaching, um, and, and a book in a, in a, in a mini series, big spoiler, you probably know what we're doing now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that I always associated with summer. Yeah. We're, we are going to cover the three slash four iterations of perhaps one of King's two magnum opuses, Stephen King's it. Yes. Uh, so how are we doing this, Eric? So we're going to be splitting up the miniseries, which will be up first, into two episodes. The yes. first episode will cover the first half, which would be broadcast on TV as one episode. Mm-hmm. And then the second episode is, you know, the second episode. The second half. The yeah. second half. Um, did, did you, were you able to determine where it splits? Uh, I'm actually looking at it right now. So why don't you just continue? Yeah. Then we are going to cover. Then we're going to cover the two new it movies that came out recently. I've only ever seen the first one. I know you. Yeah. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see, uh, part two, but those, all of these are streaming on HBO max or actually, you know what? I take it back. It's streaming on Max. It's changing yeah, it, tomorrow. Tomorrow it becomes Max. Yeah, today. As Finally. Finally. Uh, I know you and I have been saying for quite some time that we're just tired of this HBO. At the yeah. Um, well, somehow Cinemax out of here. wins. Yeah. I don't know how. Yeah. Um, okay. I think I found it. Um, yeah. Hold on. It looks like. Yeah, I want to say it's like the hour 32 mark. I think in the way it's presented here, um, they make it out like it's just a cross. It's like a cross dissolve. Mm -hmm. But I do believe if my memory serves that the original section ends, if you're watching it on HBO Max, literally like um, an hour 32 and 32 seconds. Okay. Um, And... I think it'll be interesting too to compare these because the miniseries proceeds like the book in that it it jumps back and forth between current day yes and the past whereas the movies chose to largely separate those two things out where it's yeah. the past and the children in the first movie and the adults with some flashbacks to the past in the second one. Um so yeah, I think this will be fun. I think it's a it's going to be an interesting case study in like a real one-to-one, which I don't think we get to do very often, a lot no. of times. So it's like, as opposed to watching the development of a franchise, we're really just going to get to take a look at two different approaches. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I haven't seen the miniseries in quite some time, so I'm, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, so um, 
tune in with us next week uh, as we do the first part of the miniseries. So if you go on HBO, I'm sorry, Max, um, and it's listed as Stephen King's It. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to say the movie is just called It. Mm -hmm. There's there's Stephen King's It, It, and It Chapter 2. And we are starting with the first 92 minutes and 32 seconds of Stephen King's It. Uh, And you'll know right away if you're watching the right one, because this is a miniseries from the very early 90s. Yeah, uh, it is not. Yeah, it is not a big budget film from 2017 or 18. So. Well, you can hit us up on our socials at KillstreakPod on Instagram, and um, you know you can email us, leave us a voicemail. You know how to do it. Yeah, you do. And as always, if they're butt naked, it's quite funny. <laughs>